0: Hello, you are listening to the Voice of Wealth podcast. My name is Charlotte de Capuessant. Today, our topic for discussion is initial public offerings or IPOs. Stock market listings in the first half of this year hit their highest level since before the financial crisis of 2008. And in 2020 worldwide, about $800 billion of equity was raised by non-financial firms, which was a record. What is the reason for this tremendous momentum in issuance? Why do companies choose to carry out IPOs? And what are the advantages and constraints of market listings? And finally, what outcome may a listing have on financial markets and investors? To talk about this, Ed Shing, Global CIO from BNP Variable Wealth Management, joins me. Hello there, Ed.
1: Hello, Charlotte.
0: Typically, in the life cycle of a company, when and why would a company choose to go down the IPO route?
1: There are two main reasons why a company might choose a stock market listing. The first one is to raise money for further growth and expansion. A stock market listing will give them access to permanent capital from shareholders. And secondly, to allow existing founders or other large shareholders like private equity companies to sell down part of their existing investment. So those are the two principal reasons. There are other reasons, including access to a lower cost of debt and equity capital long-term. You can also, if you have a a listed stock, you can use that stock as currency for making acquisitions. Again, a different way of generating growth. And it can also lead to improved publicity and credibility for the company. But those are the main reasons.
0: Okay. So you've talked about the reasons, main reasons for public listing, but what are the constraints, Ed?
1: So the constraints for the company are multiple. Firstly, it requires time commitment, both in the planning pre-IPO by the company and working with their advisors. And then of course, going on an IPO marketing roadshow to generate interest for the shares. Secondly, you have lots of costs, both in the IPO itself. You have a lot of transaction costs. You have to pay advisors, for instance. And then there are ongoing listing costs where you have to pay, pay, for instance, the stock exchange for the listing every year. There are also very important reporting requirements and disclosure rules that are, of course, imposed by the stock market regulator. And so that is something a company will have to comply with that in the private market, they would not necessarily have to comply with. So there are several disadvantages as well for the company.
0: We sometimes read in the media that the share offer has been oversubscribed or undersubscribed. What does that mean exactly? And is there one scenario that is more favorable to someone who's already invested in that particular company?
1: When we discuss over-subscription or under-subscription, we are talking about the the amount of demand for the shares in a company that is about to be IPO'd. So this is before the IPO listing actually starts. Oversubscription simply means that investors want to buy more shares than the company is offering up. Demand is exceeding supply. Under-subscription is simply the reverse case where Investors do not want to buy all of the shares that the company wants to sell. So there is a shortfall of demand relative to the supply of shares. Clearly for a company, you prefer to be oversubscribed because it means that your offering is going well, that investors are enthusiastic about the story of the company. Whereas undersubscription may suggest that there is either the offering was priced too high or that there are some question marks that the investor has about the story that the company is offering up.
0: If I'm considering buying shares in an IPO, what should I look for?
1: What you're really trying to do as an investor is buy relatively early into a long-term growth story. So to take a classic example, Buying into Google at its IPO when it listed would have been a great idea because it has done very well since. What you were doing there was buying relatively early into the growth story of Google, even though it had been in the private market for quite some time. It has gone since listing from strength to strength. And again, Google is one example of a company that has in part used its shares as an acquisition currency to buy things like YouTube. So as an investor, you're looking for that type of growth story.
0: What is the reason for the large number of successful listings in 2021? And do you see this momentum increasing over the next six to 12 months?
1: First of all, Charlotte, we should note that the number of initial public offerings, the IPOs, is typically a function of where we are in the stock market cycle, that IPOs tend to accelerate near the end of a stock market bull market when valuations have gone up a lot, and then when a lot of private market investors like private equity funds want to cash in. So. That's where we are today because the bull market has been in progress for some time. Okay, we had a blip last year, but it has been in progress pretty much since 2009. So it is very long in the tooth. Now, again, what type of companies have been IPOing this year and indeed last year have been in large number, particularly in the US, which is, of course, the biggest smart stock market in the world, SPACs or special purpose acquisition companies, which are effectively blank check vehicles where you have sponsors who say, give us your money in an IPO listing, and we will use that money to buy a growth acquisition and take it over and then grow it further. But what you're doing is give your, giving your money to these people and hoping that they find a suitable acquisition in a certain area, be it med tech or technology or autonomous vehicles or something like that. It tends to be in a very much a thematic sector, which is very hot. But will that continue? I think it's slowing down because we've seen certainly the performance of these SPACs after the listing slow down a lot. They had initially been zooming up, but that's no longer the case. So I think that the number of IPOs from, certainly from SPACs may slow in the coming months.
0: Okay, and what sectors are experiencing a particular boon in issuance? And in terms of regions, you mentioned the US just now, what are the other major hubs for IPOs?
1: I think the two I would mention, apart from the US, would be, would be China, and to a lesser extent, the UK as well. But certainly the U.S., because we're seeing a lot of issuance in sectors such as technology and biotech, fintech and renewable energy. And that's also very true for China, where we've seen particularly a lot of IPOs in the technology space. And again, in the case of China, remember that it's still, to some extent, an emerging stock market. It's not as mature as, let's say, those stock markets in the Western world. So it's, that's, it's, for me, it's unsurprising that they're seeing a lot of IPOs, as, a, as there are a lot of big companies that can still come to market.
0: And in a nutshell, do you think it's a good thing for people to invest in IPOs?
1: I think it's quite a dangerous occupation for most retail investors because there are lots of problems that one can have. There can be, for instance, the volatility of share prices post-IPO that you may be unprepared for. There is no listed track record to analyze. So you're sort of going on the private market track record, which may be very short for a growth company. So, again, quite a lot of uncertainty. And again, bear in mind that insiders such as private equity funds or founders may be choosing to sell stock at what is the optimal point for them maybe the optimal point in the growth story, but then that means it's not such a good deal for a, a new shareholder at an at the IPO. Because again, if they're selling at the best time, you're not probably not buying at the best time. So there are good reasons to be wary. And I would suggest that either if you really want to buy into IPOs You can buy into a diversified fund of IPOs, such as an IPO ETF, which does exist. Or what I would rather do is buy into private equity funds. We like private equity as an asset class. And again, what you're doing by buying into a private equity fund, particularly growth oriented private equity fund, is potentially buying into the growth stories of these companies, but at an earlier pre-IPO stage. So you're getting potentially more exposure to earlier stage growth. Yes, there may be some more uncertainty, but greater growth. And again, bear in mind that in general, the private equity market has grown very solidly over the last 10 years and has really shown some very good performance over this period.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To be sure to receive our audio content every week, please search for BNP Paribas Wealth on the podcast platform of your choice, such as Apple Podcast, Podcast Addict, Spotify, or other podcast providers.